Welcome to New Kids on the Block, a podcast for newcomers who want to explore blockchains and cryptocurrencies. On this show, we discuss and dissect all things crypto for beginners and intermediate users and help them navigate their way through this fascinating yet overwhelming new space. Let's dive right in. Whereas most technologies tend to automate workers on the periphery doing menial tasks, blockchains automate away the center. Instead of putting the taxi driver out of a job, blockchain puts Uber out of a job and lets the taxi drivers work with the customer directly. We're going to put that assertion to the test this week on a new episode of the New Kids on the Block podcast. Welcome back, everyone. That was, of course, a quote from the great Vitalik Buterin, co-founder of Ethereum. I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Mr. Crypto Yoda. Yidu, how you doing? I'm doing well, Fody. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm jazzed about this week because, and do people still say jazzed? I don't know, but I said it. Um, I'm very excited about this conversation because typically, you know, if you guys listen into the podcast, we talk a lot about geopolitical events in the world and macroeconomics. And there's a lot of that going on in the current landscape um, with wars and, you know, potential famines and all bunch of crazy stuff going on. But the one thing that we don't talk about quite regularly is the technology and the utility around crypto. So we have two very special guests this week um, on the New Kids on the Block. We have Kai and Hubert, and they are my colleagues from the data world. Um, actually, we all work in in, in technology, uh, even you do, even though he likes to stay a little bit anonymous out there. But um, yeah, just welcome, welcome guys. Kai, Hubert, how are you guys doing? Hey, I'm doing Good. great. Good to be in the show. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Oh, happy to be here. Absolutely great. So, so maybe we'll take it one at a time. Um, we'll start with Hubert and then we'll go with Kai, like your guys's, um, kind of experience working in the data space and your backgrounds and stuff like that. Hubert, you want to kick it off? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, thanks for inviting me here. I've never done one of these. I'm super excited to, to do it and, you know, to hear everybody's responses. Um, uh, about me, uh, I've been an engineer uh, for, I'd say, over 20 years, um, a long time. <clears throat> uh, I started off building ETL pipelines. Like at, at the time, they called them ESBs, you know, um, and then that went towards uh, microservices. And then the latter half, the second half of my, my career, mostly all data space or analytical space. Um, I, I found myself working with Hadoop a lot and Spark and now uh, Kafka and streaming. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically where I come from. The last couple of years, I've been really super interested in the crypto world, the uh, blockchains and how they actually decentralize things and how we could uh, in the data industry can leverage that um, that technology in a, in a nice and intuitive way. So yeah, that's, that's me. Awesome. And Kai? Yeah, for me, it's a little bit similar. So I also started in the integration space when I left the university around 12 years ago. And from that day on, I was always interested in different integration technologies. And then around seven, eight years ago, I started at TIPCO, integration middleware company. And I always work in the field around 
combining business and use cases and executive level with the deep technology. So I can talk both worlds, let's say, and mix that together and add the business value to technology. And interestingly, even at TIPCO many years ago, I already researched how we can work in the blockchain space. And I did some research. I downloaded Hyperledger and a few other platforms. It was super complex at that day. I think it still is. <laughs> but um, at that time, I also understood how Bitcoin works. Um, I even had a few Bitcoin. Unfortunately, I sold them. So um, oh, like damn. most people do it, right? I bought it, I think, at that time for 500 and sold it for 1000 Because at that time, it was more about the technology. Nobody looked at it as an investment like today. Um, but even now at, at, at Confluent, it's even more interesting because now we really work with more and more customers that combine event streaming with blockchain and with crypto technologies. And that's what we can talk about today, how this is really complementary and where one is better than the other and why I'm really excited about both of them. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. I, I think I think one thing as you guys were talking, I realized is that for the past um, however many episodes we have done, um, it was mostly just me pretending to be an expert on the show uh, and Fody asking the questions. And today we actually have two experts here. So I'm going to take a back seat and let you guys roll with it. <laughs> See, you do is he's very coy because he he's he works in the he's a, on the product side of technology. So, you know, whereas we're on the solution side talking architectures and stuff like that, he's he's definitely he definitely knows what he's talking about. Don't let him uh, don't let him trick you guys. Um, so, yeah. So I guess, you know, the cat's out of the bag. Right. We work for. Um, like an event streaming real-time data platform in our in our day jobs. And I think the interesting thing, since we have a good kind of perspective on um, technology and the way that data works, a lot of people don't think of crypto and cryptocurrencies and blockchains really as technology. They, they view it as a store of value or as some kind of speculative asset, right? But I think when we try and dig into the utility and what's beneficial about you know um, blockchains and cryptocurrencies and, and those and that related technology? I think a lot of people are kind of in the dark there, right? So, I, I guess I'd like to just like open open question. Um, I guess to the both of you, um, we can start with you, Kai. Like, what's your current perception of blockchain technologies and like kind of how do you view that today? Yeah, so um, I think it's really like what you said. So today, still people perceive it more like um, it's a thing to buy and to save, right? Like um, the, the Bitcoin, which is in the end not used to do something, but just um, as a comparison to gold, for example. And also in the crypto space, it's about investment. It's about gambling with these things. It's not yet about using them. Um, I think this will be a huge shift when we now go more into these things like metaverse, no matter if you like the term or not, but um, about these um, virtual reality, augmented reality, integration of distributed gaming worlds and so on. I think that's really one of the key game changers where we still we will see much more adoption of the blockchain technologies. And with that also, this will really drive the business beyond the blockchain. And, and this is in what we are doing in a confluent because um, we are then doing the integration in the end between these kind of blockchains and between the rest of the world. So I think this is really the game changer, how I see it, where it's coming. Because honestly, until today, um, I don't see that much shift away from what happened when I worked for Tipco seven years ago, where Hyperledger was complex and a few people wrote smart contracts for Ethereum. But still, um, it's, it's not that much easier, in my opinion. It's still super hard, especially if you have critical uh, applications that where you need security and privacy in place. Um, it's still not where it should be so that everybody can build applications. That's my point of view today about blockchain and this ecosystem. 
Yeah. So like a little, uh, ditty on that. I think, uh, recently, uh, I think I heard the news that, um, IntelliJ, right? Like the idea, the company that, you know, the ideas company, the, that, that create that have no plans to integrate, um, solidity APIs mm-hmm. right into the actual, <laughs> into their actual platform. So anyone that wants to develop either on the EVM, which is the Ethereum virtual machine, um, or they want to develop on Solidity um, or or various other smart contract platforms, you better hop out into your old school Visual Studio so that you can do some programming in there. Yes. Um, which is yeah, it, it speaks to your point. Um, and uh, uh, Hubert, what about you? Like what? Like you know, you're 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 on the data analytics side. I mean, how do you how do you kind of perceive blockchain technology currently? Are you skeptical? Like, what's your what's your perspective? The I think it's I'm both skeptical and optimistic um, in, in different parts of the entire stack. I think I, I, I like you know the, the whole the purpose of why cryptocurrency were, was created to begin with, but then it was implemented with technology, not with like with with you know people or rules. It was implemented by it was a digital implementation of of of, of currency, right? And, and and we're trying to extrapolate that to other things as well. I I'd lo- I like the idea of um of building uh, things that are decentralized and how it helps other economies, other people, um and and you're seeing that you know in a macroeconomics um of of, of today, right? I guess saw recently that um, Dubai is uh, is now um, like the, the the central place that they're that, that that Russians are you know trying to send their their money to so that they could convert it from from one thing to another currency so that they don't lose that money. They're they're, they're basically using a blockchain technology to to you know kind of transfer their money because they can trust it better than their old like the actual system right yeah. um so i i guess find that really interesting i think there's i think there's opportunity for 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 all this technology to be apply, applied in other ways and honestly i think there's a there's a future for like cloud and blockchain and the the way cloud is implemented in the future of if we still you know continue going down this route yeah, yeah. So I mean, we've we've gone pretty far, and I think we started to kind of touch on and pull the threads apart on kind of the differences between crypto and blockchain. And Kai used a very uh, popular term that I like to use, which is kind of like the crypto casino, right? Like people view it as one way. Is that how you guys perceive the difference between the two, um, blockchain and and crypto, as just a general term? Like, how do you kind of, how do you, how do you parse that, Kai? Yeah, I, I think it's more like that because the other interesting part about this discussion is um, my recommendation is always to discuss, um, do you really need a blockchain, right? And and all this added value of the distribution across different organizations. Because if you take a look at the crypto space now, um, the funny part, or maybe it's not even funny, but um, most of the successful 
solutions today, like like OpenSea, for example, right? That's not a distributed system. That's not a blockchain. That's in a central store where you can buy and sell your NFTs, which are running on a distributed Ethereum, right? And so it's um it's a much more complex discussion. And most people in the crypto space and, and gaming space and so on, they typically don't care about this distribution. They want to either invest or gamble or just play games and earn some benefit out of that. And so this is where blockchain is very different and much more complex. And even in the blockchain space, if you take a look at these solutions, um, and Bitcoin uh, solves the problem of being really independent and everybody can run it and then it's um, replicated to each other and it's, it's proof of work, right? Which is the, the safest, let's say, but therefore also most the, the most complex one from an energy perspective and from other um, perspectives. And so there is a lot of trade-offs. And then there are things in the middle, like um, uh, the one I know a little bit better is R's Recorder, which in the end is not a real blockchain, but a distributed ledger. And so there's always a, a pro and a con about how complex you make it between central and decentralized and these middle things. And um, in my point, um, a really true blockchain, um, that's that's not needed that often today. And without needing it, um, I wouldn't implement it because it adds all this complexity without adding the benefit. And that's why I think the crypto is more successful today because there you don't need the real blockchain for many of the use cases you see today. And I know it's a very controversial point of view then, right? But but this is, I think, why crypto and NFTs today are getting much more successful than the generic blockchain use cases because the adoption and implementation is it's much easier to do. Well, actually, so I'm, I'll pa- I'm going to pause there and let Yidu come in because he is like one of the original guys, like everything, you know, you, and you'll see this in the crypto community, right? Like everything's got to be decentralized. Facebook is the devil or meta or whatever the hell they're calling themselves nowadays, right? Um, and they're one of the OGs and, and you know, r- the real successful projects are all about decentralization. But when we look about like when we look at a lot of these layer one solutions, and I know we'll we'll touch upon that later, when we look about look at transactions per second, you see that the actual technologies that are able to scale are more centralized in some regards, right? right. So like you know, he, I mean, he's coming for you. He's coming for. <laughs> yeah. he's <coming>. I, I <laughs> think I think that's no. I, I actually agree with a lot what Kai just said. I think one kind of nuance I was trying to make uh, earlier in the pod um, uh, in previous episodes is that I agree that users don't care about um, decentralization as much as we, as we would like. And it is it is something that can be developed over time. It's, it's not really something that comes intuitively, in, 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 intuitively for the users. And at the end of the day, as a user, they only want to be able to log on the platform, connect their wallet, and run transactions if we're talking about NFT or some sort of exchange. Uh, as long as they can transact uh, successfully without without a hitch, I would call the user experience to be success, successful. Um, however, the, the nuance I was trying to make is that the reason why the centralized, the relatively centralized platform like OpenSea or others are, are having are struggling right now there is because there's so many new decentralized platforms that are coming after them uh, because they believe the way these centralized platforms are operating is is either um, you know creating hindrance for the users or um, sometimes not really benefiting the users right there has been in the past few months there has been multiple decentralized NFT platforms that's being released such as X2Y2 and looks rare. Uh, and there's many other platforms in the making 
uh, that are trying to to uh, unseat OpenSea, right? We're just taking yeah. the NFT market as an example, but I'm sure I can find examples in, in DeFi, decentralized finance, uh, as well as uh, crypto exchanges, etc. So I guess yeah, I, I don't I don't yeah. disagree that you know user experience is everything, but you know there's this. this let me let me bring up one more point here because I, I fully agree to all you say, right? Um, mm -hmm. The problem, however, is um, the, there's a difference between now the experts that that want to have the distributed systems and the decentralized systems and the mainstream end users, and and I myself see myself still as a mainstream end user, and the reason for that why I sold my Bitcoin five or six years ago, um, right, is only the, the true only reason is i didn't want to keep them for myself i mean i I, i tried it out with writing down a letter and put it into my safe right and all these things it didn't feel right for me for investing a lot of money and to, and um, therefore i sold them again on kraken today um, i'm also investing a small part of my um, um, stock portfolio into um, different crypto and bitcoin and so on and i'm convinced that this makes sense and i believe in that but where do i have it i again because now i'm investing a little bit more money it's too risky for me to manage this by myself with metamask or anything because if If I lose the, the key, then I'm done, right? It's, it's gone. And so what I'm doing, right. I use a, a, a German bank. I live in Germany where privacy and, and regulation is very strict. And actually, and in the end, this bank where I spend my buy my Bitcoin, um, they store it for me in their back end, right? So they guarantee that. So this is with their SLAs and with their regulation so that they store this for me. And therefore, again, therefore it's centralized. But I don't care because I know my Bitcoins are stored in a safe bank and they care about that. But for them, it's a cold storage. Right, so I don't care about all of these details, and I pay I pay two percent when I buy the Bitcoin and other stuff. But that's the benefit for me, and I'm willing to pay that for mainstream. And this is where I see the big challenge for blockchain and really decentralized platforms, not for solving these problems because the the, the tech people accept it, but the mainstream they don't understand this. They don't will not do it like with MetaMask, and this is the yep. challenge which has to be solved, in my opinion. For sure, for sure, I, I I agree with that 100. Like, if you're asking like a regular user who uh, to you know store their own seed phrases, you know manage custodial their own coins, that's crazy, right? You you're the CTO of a, a public traded company, and uh, you find it cumbersome to do that. Imagine like a regular Joe who's trying to um, you know custodial their own self custody their own coins. That's just that's just crazy in in this day and age. So I do agree that technology needs to catch up, like the UI needs to get better before people can, before we can truly achieve uh, mass adoption. Yeah, Hubert, you want to you wanna jump in here? Yeah, um, I, this is a, I've always kind of wondered this whole, uh, about this whole part of the cryptocurrency is like, what, you know, it's a very advanced digital technology, but then I'm doing something, you know, odd as far as like, You know, exporting it and have to self-manage my my own stuff, uh, you know, and put it in a lockbox or something and, and kind of protect it. It, it feels less uh, technical than than um, than what the, the whole essence of what blockchain and digital cryptocurrency is supposed to do. Um, I I also am just a an end user. You know, I I, I don't really code in the blockchain or anything i I'm, i i guess i have some cryptocurrency but not a whole lot right but i but my approach and i and i'm assuming that most of the common crypto user's approach to uh to self-banking is what i call um a uh like the tony soprano approach for to saving money where <laughs> he like he digs a ditch here puts his money in and digs another ditch and puts his money somewhere else you know 
and and so you're you know if somebody finds that stash you know you don't lose everything right you you have to diversify your your uh your cold to hot storage um uh, options with your crypto else you know if it's in hot storage right you could use it it's easily accessible and then you're promoting the crypto economy right? if it's in cold storage you're 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 hoarding it and it's not really uh accessible to to um to uh the usage right as as much as it, it is in your like uh, your 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 crypto wallet on your phone or something right so if the whole point is to to grow your money um and invest in that that crypto economy it really needs to be moved into a hotter spot you know a hotter uh, a warmer um storage so that people can use it so what, what would the you know if i were to compare this to fiat money it would be like money in my wallet versus money in my savings or retirement account right and right yep. so it would be it would be you would have to kind of fix that 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 spread of your money accordingly to how you want to spend and and use it so i i think the really interesting part about that is unlike fiat money they can actually do some analytics on what they call like on-chain analytics in in the crypto world so they can see like what money is on exchange, what percent, I shouldn't say what money, but what percentage of coins and tokens are actually on exchanges, which drives supply and demand and actually affects the price. Unlike, you know, money that's sitting in your investment account or something like that. But I totally get your point. I think where this conversation is kind of going and it's, it's flowing nicely is to understand generally what the problem is technologically for mass adoption of not not only crypto, but actually blockchain technology, right? And I think a couple of things that I'm hearing is that it's complicated. Um, it, the, the user, you know, end users don't really care about it. But is that really it? Like, is I, I know we we're going to need retail investors and the general kind of layman users to get into the space to make it kind of the next generation technology. Um, you know, like the, like the dot-com bubble was right. Like, um, and w w when we move to that we move to web three and things like that, I mean, crypto is going to be at the forefront, but am I missing anything? Is there anything aside from that? That's, you know, kind of affecting general mass adoption of this technology. Well, maybe Kai. Well, yeah. From my perspective, new technology is only adopted if you have key use cases that people want and need, right? And that's why I still am convinced that um, the gaming space is the first sector where blockchain will be successful. Now, we already discussed like um, OpenSea is, is maybe centralized and then therefore maybe we get a decentralized version which will be more accepted in the future. That, that makes sense for that reason. But these things make sense to me. Like when you're a gamer and we have millions of gamers around the world, right? Um, and it's a, a huge business. And around that then, I can imagine so that I use my NFTs or whatever the, the gaming coins are or whatever you get that you can use this across games and across vendors and maybe even across different blockchains and, and trading markets and so on and that's in the end a reason then why this makes sense and then there come things like play to earn where people in Asia play and they sell it to people in the US who have more money and so on so this, this is this is a use case which can evolve um, again around metaverse and all these technologies coming around that then and I, I see this coming as a real use case the other ones that I have heard in the past and again 
since 2017, I did a lot of research on this. I hear always the same use cases, but I never see adoption of that. And it's not just because of the complexity, but it's also because it's not needed, right? So my key point is always, and I discussed this with my customers too, um, when they should use uh, our event streaming platform, which is also a distributed log of records. It's very scalable with high throughput in real time. It's for transactional workloads. It has many similar characteristics of blockchain, but it's not decentralized. But for most use cases we have today in the enterprise, this is good enough and enterprises often want to solve their own problems but they do not want to work together because this creates so much trouble we see this in the automotive industry we see this everywhere and these are the key blockers and this is why you need adoption via use cases that the end users the mainstream needs and that's why i still again see that gaming is the the first really successful story around blockchain in the next three to five years i think that what you just said was really powerful kai and i, I do want to kind of digging into the the opposite side of that which is you mentioned the cases where um why we should we should use the traditional um you know technology or, or in your in your um, in your case the middleware technology for certain use cases uh but what are some of the use cases where it does require a blockchain in your opinion <laughs> that, that's really the hard point so in the end my my point of view is that um you really only need a blockchain if the deployment is over various independent organizations where the participants verify the distributed ledger contents themselves, right? So it's really decentralized. And um, this is really various scenarios where the business value overturns the added complexity and risk. So this is my definition, how I also ask customers when they ask me, should they, I talk to many banks about that, where they even uh, evaluate themselves, should they use a blockchain like Hyperledger Ethereum, or should they, should they use something like our normal IT da data infrastructure? And this is the definition. And so what's the use cases for that? And honestly, I don't see many of them. The main use case where I see where this is successful is supply chain, where it's really end-to-end -end across the globe, right? Mm. So from the farming up to the to the retail store. This is one use case which we hear a lot and where it, it I think makes sense. Um, and besides that, I see all this gaming and, and entertainment things. Um, but besides that, I have not seen much where you really need it yet. Um, and where that's why if you take a look at successful case stories from IBM and all these vendors that spend tons of money on blockchain for a long time, um, right. beyond crypto and financial services directly, and maybe, maybe supply chain. But even there, it's, it's already questionable if it's needed or just um, approved because you need to prove something. And besides that, personally, I haven't seen much. I'm not sure about you guys, what, what you have seen or, or see in the, in the field. I, I did, yeah, you, you brought up IBM. I did read about how they were using um, blockchain to track supply chain. I think it was like either phishing, I forgot the exact commodities they were using to trace, but there were some corporate... Uh, use cases um, that IBM was trying to to uh, popularize, but uh, other than that, um, yeah, I, th I think gaming is is big. Um, you know, obviously the NFT world really um, got really popular last year. Um, I think the combination of NFT and decentralized finance could be interesting, uh, where the users can not only um, they can buy their their NFTs as as their character. And then they can stake their NFTs for like gains or like some sort of yield farming uh, rewards. And uh, at the same time, um, you know, you can still trade the NFTs as if it's like an open, open market, um, you know, 
with the and other let, users. Let me, let me add one more thing here because it's a perfect fit here. So the other thing when we talk about blockchain use cases like supply chain, right? You Even if you have a blockchain across the world, distributed, decentralized, you still need somehow to connect to the normal IT, like to the mobile apps, right? To Where you make the pictures, where the cameras are. So that's still normal IT. So that's what typically is called these oracles, right? So not Oracle, the company, but Chainlink. And, and, and that's the point in Chainlink, right? Yeah, exactly. To, to connect the smart contracts from blockchains to the real world. And this is in the end, the, the, the other big challenge that um, where we are working on today, because without this connectivity, it doesn't work well. And by the way, as a side note, and this is now why I also know Chainlink, if you take a look at what people there are hiring, they are hiring a lot of people that are experts in Apache Kafka. Because mm -hmm. here it's exactly this story that you need to connect the blockchain stuff with the rest of the world. And um, the event streaming middleware is then the perfect technology for that. And this is the reason why we see it really complementary and not competitive. Because most of the success stories I have seen in the crypto and blockchain world, they need to integrate with the rest of the world. And that's very often happening with the event streaming technology. Yeah, uh, I know. I, me, me and Hubert kind of, I, I guess when we were a little bit of how the sausage is made for some of the listeners, right? When we were kind of, we were talking about this during one of our uh, breakout sessions during like a company event. And like, I know Hubert, you have some strong thoughts about this. So I want to let you jump in and kind of add your, add your, your two cents. Cause you also have questions about kind of the relevancy of blockchain and some of these use cases and, and the potential, right? Yeah. Um, I actually saw a really neat graphic the other day. I'm not sure who, who created it, but um, it was uh, for our more technical people. It was like almost like the cap theorem for for blocks blockchain uh, usage, right? Or use cases. So if you think of a the, a triangle and then you um, you apply a label to each point of that triangle, there's three you know three triangles or three points or angles. There's a decentralization, security, and scalability, right? These are all like features that um, that that are 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 needed in order for to, to use i guess a blockchain if you want if you need decentralization a high security and scalability um then you could use uh, a blockchain or i think that's what what the, the essence of what that what that graphic was and, and what it also said is that only a, a use case can only really support one i believe one of those features like so if you want high centralization decentralization then you're going to uh, maybe suffer a little bit on security and and scalability if you want high security definitely that that, that affects you know scalability because th that probably involves uh um you know changing your your uh, consensus al algorithm to something more less secure but more op you know more optimal Right. So when you start thinking about these use cases and you think about where you land around that triangle or the, your, this cap theorem of, uh, of, uh, of use cases, um, a, a lot of people kind of s migrate towards a decentralized use case, right? Um, where, where they want decentralization. And with, de with decentralization, you could achieve, you know, somewhat of security with, uh, with uh, your, um, your uh, consensus algorithm, right? So if I if I if I have a use case and I need it to be decentralized because I don't want any central thing to control it, then really your only solution is to use a, some use a blockchain, right? Um, yep. 
And so there are many use cases out there that need some kind of decentralized component into their into their technology, and they're implementing it in other ways be besides a blockchain. And I think, you know, like I'll take for instance, uh, like um, identity, right? Everybody's got their own implementation of identity, right? Whether you're in a cloud, you got a social media account, or or whatever, right? It's 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 hard, and nobody wants to really nobody wants to solve it other than the people themselves, right? They they don't want to have to have all these credentials. They want a safe place to put it, right? And, and it makes things you know. Think about single sign-on. You can actually have a real single sign-on, even with single sign-on today, SSO. I still have to log in to different things for like 45 times a day, it seems like. Yeah. I'm still, it's not really truly single sign-on. I'm not, I'm not signing just signing in just once. Single sign-on, but a lot. A but lot of exactly. It's, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not really truly single sign-on. It's only sing, SSO within the context, right? Um, with a blockchain that tr- truly solves that, and I, and I know Kai was uh, talking about the gaming industry. I, I do think that's a really uh, um, uh, uh, great use case. Um, I, I love. I also love. Uh, um, there's one um, crypto called Civic that that um, that uses security as as that. And I, and if you think of security and dis- decentralization, I, I think you become more secure and and. and Going that secure security route might also be a good use case for a uh, you know, future use case, but adoption of it is, is hard because you have to contend with a lot of centralized entities that have a foothold in the industry, right? Yep. You can't, it's, it's hard to do it. Um, so you, I think what's, not, what's causing blockchain and this technology to not really move forward fast enough is these central uh, central. Um, entities that are we're all used to using and, so, and, and as we all stated just a minute ago it's all about the experience and not the implementation you know if it's logging in 45 times a day is fine with you then it's never going to get to a point where you can just actually sign on once right and that you can apply that same logic to many other use cases out there that could actually benefit a lot more from from a, a decentralized system but there's just not enough uh, drive or 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 you know willingness to do it because nobody wants to fix it, right? Yeah, I think I think what you talked about there, and I think what we're all kind of circling around is the main issue, right? Is that the use cases aren't actually affecting people's day to day lives. Um, maybe gaming will be, right? Like there are already examples of a project out there that's called Axie Infinity. And it has like developing countries in Asia, folks are able to play that game and make more than whatever the minimum wage would be um, with it, within that country for a day, right? They can make that in a couple hours playing playing a play to earn, earn game. But I think what we're touching upon and what we're circling on is blockchains really now are synonymously used in low trust types of use cases, but there aren't that many low trust types of use cases out there. Is is that like a fair thing to say, or is that a, a kind of a hyperbolic way of saying it? Yeah. So, so 
I think so these days. There is not so much need for that. And in addition to that, and that's what I heard um, earlier this morning in another conversation. So right now, um, people out of Russia need to get money out of there, right? Um, but the problem is, if you use the blockchain and Bitcoin for that, well, unfortunately, because it's a public decentralized system, you can view where the money is going. <laughs> and with that, um, it's not independent, right? You're not flexible because it's still controlled and regulated. And that's the other part of this problem. And um, because I think one of the main ideas of these kind of, I mean, there's, there's new um, cryptos and so on that will solve that maybe, right? But today, even some of these principles are not really true because of the visibility. You cannot even use it like it's built maybe a, a 10 years ago, right? And with that, there is still not the demand for so many use cases. So maybe it takes some more time. Um, I, I, we will see, right? So that's, yeah. I, again, I think the crypto stuff will grow now for many use cases, but for the generic block, blockchain stuff, we will see. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think that what you just described is why Monero uh, yes. <laughs> pumped... Yeah. The last in the last couple of days because folks are trying to, to get out of the the ruble uh, and what's going on in in Russia there. Um, so I, I want to pivot the conversation a little bit. So we've been talking about kind of some of the use cases. We've been we've been kind of um, tiptoeing around kind of the, the terminology about um, you know building decentralized applications and things like that on top of the blockchain. What why is it important for us to kind of just you know um, discern the difference between what we'd call layer one and layer two solutions, right? Like, like do, would layer two solutions provide that additional level of security that can then be bolted onto the utility that's provided from layer ones? Like, what's your perspective on that? Well, I, I think it's the other way around, right? So layer one is something like Ethereum, which is um, relatively secure or maybe really secure. And then on top of that, you build, you build the layer two, which is much more um, scalable and much faster for much more transactions. And this is, I think, how you, you offload many of the workloads from the slow system, like with Bitcoin, only a few transactions per minute or second, and with Ethereum, a few more, but by far not enough. And therefore, you build a layer two to build these more advanced use cases, like really do transactional workloads where you then can use it, for example, for shopping in retail or where you can use it for IoT use cases with IOTA or something like that. And, and that's in the end how I think this, this makes a lot of sense to combine layer one and layer two. And, and for layer two in the end, um, this can either be um, its own blockchain, which is designed differently than layer one. Or it can be a non-blockchain solution. That's also what we see in the market a lot, where um, people are combining Kafka. Again, this is a technology and a data streaming platform, which is much more scalable and can process millions of transactions per second. But it's not a decentralized system. And so um, I've seen a few um, organizations which are building now or starting to build a layer two layer on Kafka which doesn't provide all the security from the layer one, but you offload some of the workloads from layer one. And, but um, the, the main transaction is still started on layer one then very often, where it's secure. But then all the calculations and other things that can happen on a layer two, which is um, just connected to that. And these are the things I think we will see much more in the future. Because honestly, um, as long as we just talk about mainly Bitcoin and Ethereum and a few others, um, where now they even are happy when they can transact, I don't know, instead of 10 transactions now, 100 or 1,000 or even 10,000 um, per second, that's not good enough for the future world of, of connected mobile phones and everything is connected in IoT and augmented reality. And then that's why I see this as a realistic future where we have this layer one and layer two combination for solving these problems then, including having a decentralized central layer as layer one. Got it. Yeah. So I think, 
there are some really interesting projects out there um, that are attempting to provide ut utility um, leveraging blockchain technology. So you do always laughs at me when I when we did like a year end wrap up uh, and a year in review of all the cryptocurrencies. And um, there's there's one cryptocurrency out there um, that I particularly like because what they're providing is a decentralized type of um, Wi-Fi network for um, you know users. And effectively, what you do is you you add this miner, which is an extender, to your Wi-Fi um, to provide uh, an extended network. So it's almost like a bolted-on. Um, extended Wi-Fi network piggybacking off of all the, cent you know, not centralized, but all of the big kind of ISP providers out there. Um, and for, for providing that service and maybe giving up a little bit of your bandwidth, you actually get to mine some of the tokens um, that are out there. So I think we're seeing some interesting use cases that are popping up that make um, you know, that kind of drill more into the day-to-day -day usages of cryptocurrencies and blockchains. But like you said, right, it's, it's, it, we still haven't reached any type of mass adoption. Hubert, you want to weigh in? Yeah, sometimes I, I think um, that the, the whole, uh, like, layer two um, um, is a way to, to make, this all the technology that in blockchain and and that to be more accessible to the end user, right? Um, they're not not just not just like you know in performance and 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 uh, scalability or or uh, you know it, it's just a way to create another facade on top of the layer one, um, which we I think we all find a bit complicated or, or like it's just a layman to, to really understand. Right. Um, like basically what, like what computers are, what, what websites did to computers, everybody's using websites, you know, and, and then, the, but they don't really care what the computer is actually doing for you or the, the SAS providers actually doing for you. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I, like I, I think, like I said before, I think really decentralization and security is where really blockchain can really shine because uh, that's really where everybody wants to be secure with. Um, and, and then the, the, the ledger itself is just a, uh, is a, is really a way to, you know, it being immutable, you could see a history of, of everything that allows you to be more secure and, and, um, um, you know, make sense of what's what's really what's really uh, happening in the in your in your in in the whole all of your transactions. Basically, I might be going in the side note here because I'm because I'm. Um... Oh, we're all about that here on New Kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's but we... Yeah, but it, it, basically, it, it feels like like the layer two is just a way to make it more accessible to a more layman I, user. Yeah, I've heard of a uh, imperfect analogy. People were saying that basically, layer two is like. Um, the paying for the technical debt for the layer one on the Ethereum network. Um, I thought about it. I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, right? When they first built the, the build the network uh, back in it was like 2014 or 2016, um, there wasn't really this idea of like big block, uh, small block. So it was just okay. Let's let's just build it up so that we can handle these transactions. Uh, there weren't any debate at that point about the scalability of the network. 
because nobody thought Ethereum would have taken off um, to the extent it is, it is at right now. And you know now we're Vitalik Buterin talking about oh we have to scale up otherwise uh, it's, it will not be sustainable blockchain. And then people are like oh yeah let, let's let's try to scale up uh, now. So to me it's a bit of a um, a lag in terms of the way the technology involves, but at the same time. I think it is a necessary um, process we have to go through. Yeah, and, and maybe adding one thing to that because now already um, we mentioned the, the the creator of Ethereum the second time. Um, my other big problem with that is, I mean, these guys, right? They are billionaires, right? And even if many of them are millionaires, um, but they can think differently about this. And and my point really is, um, it needs to be solved so that the mainstream can use it. And this is where, which is for me the most skeptical part about um how much you really need this um layer one security for all these use cases. Because again, I repeat myself here, but um. I don't want to have my cold storage in my safe. It's way too unrisky for my retirement money, right? I want to have it in a re regulated market. And if that regulated market then connects to Ethereum, and but but my bank ensures that it will stay there, then I'm fine with that. And this is why I'm, I'm so skeptical when we only listen to what these kind of creators of these different blockchains and cryptos say, because um, the market is growing, everybody wants to earn quick money. Um, but I'm not sure how much this solves the problem of um, getting into the mainstream so that everybody will use it. Well, things like, you know, IntelliJ not not providing those access to APIs, you know, the frameworks to, to code is definitely something that will prohibit, you know, more adoption of this tech technology. I think, you know, I think layer two is getting there. I, I, I think we need more around like dev, uh, dev developer experience, you know, to really push uh, our, our common uh, developer to get interested in incorporating some some blockchain ideas or technology into their applications, right? If you ever start like a, a data startup or or or, or our SaaS, you know, uh, company, do you think that you know you think of adding a blockchain technology to your to your your ecosystem? Um, first, probably not. You're probably thinking of like your the regular typical stack Kubernetes, a messaging uh, streaming platform, a data lake, and a data warehouse, and so on, right? Uh, and then you from there you provide that the, the service. Never in that story talks about blockchain, right? How can we actually add it to the data pipeline so that we could um, start leveraging some of this uh, this technology that we are continually recoding and building all over again, right? Yeah, I feel attacked, guys. Um, you know, guys are you guys are telling me that blockchain isn't good? You're telling me that people aren't using it. Kai's telling me not to listen to time, these influencers. Time to shut down the podcast. Podcast. Time Cody. to shut it down. Time to <laughs> we, we've reached that time. No, I'm I'm kidding, obviously. But um, no, I I mean, listen, we've 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 been very doom and gloom. I always like to um, kind of go back to this one quote um, by. Um, Balaji Srinivasan. So if you're familiar with Balaji, he's like kind of entrepreneur out there. He was the former CTO of Coinbase. He was a former partner at Andreessen Horowitz. And his, his kind of uh, term is like the internet is programmable information and the blockchain is programmable scarcity, right? Um, so the, the utility that actually that you get with blockchain is that you can make um, a finite amount of blocks, and you can you can govern that around a use case. I think the issue generally, and what we've kind of been talking about repeatedly, is that we don't find those use cases. But what I would like to do, if we can pivot here, because we've been very doom and gloom, 
is where do we think or where do you guys think that there is the greatest promise for 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 blockchain technology is it purely you know we, we talked about supply chain nfts is it just the casino um are there kind of other real world examples that you're seeing out there i mean kai and hubert that are um, that do have a usage for crypto or at least a usage for traditional middlewares to integrate with crypto? Yeah, I, I mean, from my side, that's now two different things, right? First of all, what use cases do we see for blockchain and so on? As I said now several times, I think it will start with gaming and the broader entertainment um, um, spectrum. And based on that, then I, I assume we will see more use cases. So I'm not as, as skeptical about blockchain long term as it might sound like. So, But it has to get started somehow. And when then everybody is used to blockchain, maybe in five years or even um, in 10 years, but then mass adoption can take over for other use cases. Like um, it's also that every industry is innovating, right? Like um, if you buy a car in 10 years, it's very different from today. And today's car is very different from 10 years ago. So all of this is more connected anyway. And so blockchain can play a bigger role here. Like, for example, in the car space, when you um, need new gas or energy for your car, well, you pay with your crypto, which is automatically connecting from your car via a middleware into the payment system of the gas station or the electro station, the charging station, right? And with this, I see these use cases, but they take a long time. And part of that is also that most of these other things are not ready for it yet, like the car. It takes more time for that. And this, this is for so many environments. And that's why I see these things where you have only technology in, in space, like mobile apps, gaming, virtual reality, there it's easy to start with blockchain and these markets. And then based on that, in the next 10 years, we will see more around that. So that, that's my point of view on that. And uh, to the second question about the middleware part, that's always a key piece here because you still will need this kind of Oracle, like we discussed with Chainlink, where you connect the um, blockchain world to the rest. Because I mean, I don't believe that everything will be running on blockchains in, in 10 or 20 years, but um, the key use cases for that and this integration will ever be um, needed for doing it successfully together. Then, Hubert, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think there are multiple um, paths uh, that all probably need to be implemented at the same time um, or, 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 or uh, well, affected, I guess, to uh, mostly the macro. I think whatever happens at the macro level um, is going to definitely drive cryptocurrency. Um, uh, just, just I'm, I'm talking about not the technology of blockchain. I'm just talking about uh, uh, the currencies themselves, right? Uh, so use it, it, even the, it, it's blockchain at the, at the at the lowest level. Um, I think that you know as as more people use the that cryptocurrency, the, there'll be more exposure to actually using blockchain. An another is that is to uh, to really focus on that layer too to see to make things more accessible to engineers that may you know that that are you know, entrepreneurial engineers that want to build something and possibly incorporate something, you know, like a blockchain in it. Um, and then have, you know, be able to build tools like developer tools that can easily do that for them and, and, and deploy it into some, you know, uh, if you think of like things like uh, Terraform, um, deploying your application in the cloud, what, I'd love to have something like that for, to make it, it's super easy for me to build um, uh, blockchain applications and, and deploy it into some, you know, um, you know, the network. Um, so th I think those two, uh, the effects of macroeconomics, 
um, on the on the cryptocurrency uh, economy and having it be more accessible to uh, developers that want to build some things on blockchains. Got it. And, and um, for for all of our listeners that were expecting to to li- listen in this week and hear a lot about Dogecoin and Shiba Inu, um, sorry, folks, you're getting actual tech this week. Um, and it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's a little change from what we normally do, but I like it. I think there are some cool projects. I mentioned helium before, which was that decentralized, um, type of, um, Wi-Fi that's out there. There's another real, really interesting, um, technology that's out there. That's more akin to our space. It's called Filecoin, If you guys are familiar and it's decentralized storage actually. Um, so it's a mechanism for folks to actually, um, provide uh, storage implementations of, of actual data um, that's distributed on the blockchain. And the Filecoin is how you effectively pay for it. It's the token that um, that kind of provides that utility in the cloud. It's really big kind of in the metaverse um, circle. It's kind of banded together with those types of tokens that are out there. Um, but um, yeah, I think there's there's definitely more to see there. Um, I guess just to kind of wrapping up here, guys, um, we've been going for about 50 minutes, so I do want to be conscious of your of your time, and we do really appreciate you joining. I guess in closing, what kind of projects are you guys really interested in or want to know more about out there? Because I think we're, we're, we're coming at this from the average user perspective, and I think if you guys are interested in certain types of use cases or projects, you know, maybe maybe the average Joe would as well. Kai, you want to take that first? Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm really taking a deeper look than just um, investing into some Bitcoins and buying them via some kind of exchange is really the projects where I see the combination of blockchain or crypto and the traditional IT world. And I'm in the lucky situation that some of our customers are doing this. And that's what I take a deep look at. So how can you leverage blockchain or crypto? For example, some customers provide the integration with the traditional exchanges to send and receive to the blockchain and buy things, right? Um, But on the other side, they also provide the secure storage of wallets. And they are also often in a regulated market. And this combination makes it really exciting for me. And I take a look at that because this is what I see as the future for blockchain. I don't see it in an only decentralized way because I still believe that the mainstream user does not want to have a cold storage in his safe, but he wants to have a bank with a regulated market for that. And therefore, this is the, the project I take a look at. And with that, we also discuss Chainlink, for example, with, which is building these oracles. And I think blockchain will only be successful really for mainstream in, in five or 10 years if this kind of oracle situation is solved well with ease of use and still secure. And that's therefore the most interesting project for me because I believe that Ethereum gets better, right, with proof of stake and so on. And there is um, layer two and so on. I think that will happen anyway. But the mainstream adoption is the key challenge. And that will only work with oracles and with middleware and integration to the rest of the IT world. Hubert, what about you? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm still baffled why you know the supply chain um use case is is okay to use blockchain technologies but so many other use cases out there aren't that that could benefit from from a blockchain blockchain technology i I don't understand what what's special about supply chain where it's you know okay to adopt maybe it's not as uh as a as a um important to some people but I, I don't know. Um, I'd like to understand the psychology behind that. 
and then maybe uh, um, uh, start to introduce you know more of uh, usage on other dom domains and use cases uh, following uh, the pattern of how supply chain technology started using um, blockchain so yeah if you if you want the psychology you got to join you got to come on for our sister podcast that's new kids on the couch <laughs> uh, where you come in, you have a seat and we talk about um, all the things around that. Um, you, 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 you haven't uh, kind of weighed in here. I mean, what is, are, are what the, the gentleman's saying here blowing your mind a little bit or, or, or is it kind of in line with what you, yeah, your I, perspective on Yeah, I pretty much agree with, with, with uh, Kai and uh, Kai and Huber said in terms of, you know, the use cases. I think, um, I think definitely, um, some of the the existing use cases need need to be expanded. I think if we can somehow find a um, kind of a user interface for the regular customers who can interact directly uh, with the custodial wallet, you know, instead of MetaMask, not hating on MetaMask, but the, the I've said this before on the pod, but the, the user interface is just terrible. So we need some sort of um, company or protocol that comes in to help us to solve that UI issue. Uh, that's going to drive adoption. I think that will be uh, that will be the next step in this evolution. You don't you don't like going on Coin Market Cap and finding um, the Poo Coin uh, wallet address and importing it into your MetaMask so you can go onto a decentralized exchange and add up the um, the, uh, the the loss slippage so that you can trade and actually get maybe uh, eighty five percent of what you put in from another currency. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? No, no. I I would like something that my mom and my grandma can use. All so. right. All right. Ironically, you know what MetaBase and Facebook is doing exactly like that is trying to bring cryptocurrency to the the, the population, but not in probably the best approach. But that is, I think, is the essence of what he's what Facebook is trying to do. Oh, Mr. Zuckerberg, such a, <laughs> such a visionary man. Listen, guys, I really appreciate your time. Uh, before we wrap up here, where can where can people find your work and, and your readings and how, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, for me, maybe I start again. So for me, best is to reach out via LinkedIn or I, you can also follow me on Twitter or interact with me. And I also have my own blog. We maybe can link this in the show notes. Um, and there is where I write my articles also about the crypto stuff, but in general, of course, mostly about IT in general, like event streaming, data lakes, AI, machine learning, and so on. Yeah. Absolutely awesome, Kai. Uh, thank you for that. And Hubert, where can, where can people find you? Yeah, um, I'm also on Twitter. Um, my opinions are my own, so be <laughs> be aware <laughs> i also have um i also ha am uh, publishing a book later this year uh called streaming data mesh so uh and it'll be an o'reilly book so um uh, look out for that uh, uh i have three chapters in already and hopefully um you'll find that it's not blockchain but um it'll be a fun thing to read if you're a technologist yeah i think the important thing you know, is that people need to start understanding that blockchain and crypto is actually technology, right? And you guys are, are make perfect examples of the technologists that are talking to people um, and companies and organizations on a day-to-day -day trying to figure out how to solve their problems with technology. And that's also what we need to solve with blockchain and crypto if we want it to really take off the way... Um, a, a lot of people that are holding their bags are hoping, right? So 
Um, that's that's great. You do. Where can we find you? Are you somewhere on Tatooine or? Yeah, I'm somewhere on on the Death Star actually. <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, people can find me on Twitter at Edu. Uh, uh, it's three E and three U's, and uh, you can also find me in the Metaverse somewhere. All right, all right, guys. Anything else you want to talk about in closing here while we wrap up? Kai, Hubert, you guys good? That was really a great conversation, I think. And I also always enjoy these kind of more critical discussions, right? Even if we don't have always the same opinions. And maybe we can talk in a year or two again on this podcast and see um, how it evolved, right? What use cases the companies find, what um happening. It will be really interesting because nobody knows what will happen in a year in crypto and blockchain space. Yeah. I, I yeah. I, I think uh, there, there was someone... Um, um, and maybe they're listening to this podcast, but it's kind of a foreshadowing um, from our organization that said, sometimes I like to think of a blockchain as a really slow decentralized database. Um, and hopefully this conversation um, will change some minds regarding that. Um, but maybe not. Maybe maybe you think that it is a really slow uh, uh, decentralized database. I don't know. Um uh, with that, guys, we've been going for an hour. I really appreciate you joining. Um, you do anything in closing? You good? Um, no, I think uh, I think my takeaway from this is I'm going to sell my Dogecoin for Link right after the show. Hey, man, Chainlink is offering staking now. <laughs> you know, it's out there, and you know they they are also using some pretty cool technology. I think that uh, you know we've been kind of alluding to and foreshadowing throughout this whole conversation. So. With that being said, guys, I'd like to thank you all. Um, As always, stay safe out there, Space Cowboys. Take it easy, guys. Thank you so much.